0: cinema spectator a movie podcast is produced because of listeners like you if you want to support our show you can share it give us a rating on itunes and support us on patreon at patreon.com slash ecfs productions where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show
1: Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is *The Only Son*, directed by Yasujiro Ozu, starring Choko Aida and Sinichi Himori. I know I'm butchering all of the names, and I will forever uh, for the rest of this month. So uh, please forgive me. Uh, I am not Japanese. Um, I'm so I don't glad. I'm so glad I don't host this show. <laughs> oh. I just want to put that out there right now. My name is Cameron Tuttle. I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? Hey, happy New Year! We're happy back year. finally after everybody has been on holiday break.
0: Um, we figured we would take a take a little rest from the show, but uh, this is the first episode of 2024, uh, mm. and I'm I'm fired up. I'm feeling good. I feel like it's going to be a good year. Even number. My wife likes the odd numbers, but even numbers
1: better for me. So. Mm. I'm also joined with uh, Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty well. It's good to be back on the show. Our last, at least, I think our last recording was the David Fincher episode, which we actually did, like, way, way before it got posted. Um, Really, I think, and I don't usually have, like, I'm I'm a pretty self-deprecating person, but I have to say, I think that was a pretty solid episode. I think we had, I had a good time recording it, at least. I think it was pretty fun. So, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, we had a great time, um, and obviously, like Fincher, he's someone who's very special to both of us. Oh, yeah. um, led a lot of our uh, thoughts and feelings about film, and uh, for me, you know, he was someone who who really pulled me in early on. So definitely go check out that uh, that episode. We did a even deeper dive than we did on the show. Which, which to be fair, I think we watched like seven or eight of his movies on the show already. So oh yeah, yeah. no, I've done a pretty deep dive.
2: I made him watch Alien Three. Uh, and that was, that honestly was a big part of my enjoyment of the episode was how much Cameron hated <laughs> Alien 3, which is baffling because I think it's a very good film, but we don't need to relitigate
1: it. <laughs> um, well, since we haven't seen each other for so long, um, I've had plenty of movies that I've watched and one uh, miniseries that I do want to touch on. Um Uh, two of these are rewatches, um, things that I was sort of watching with Kiana or, um, you know, that I put on in the background. Uh, I watched prisoners again, which is a great movie. Um, we talked about it on the show. Um, so go check that episode out. Um, it's one of those movies I talked about when I rewatched silence of the lambs where, uh, it's a movie that just keeps growing and growing in my mind as, as I think about it and as I, as I rewatch it and prisoners is, is the same thing. It's such an impeccably well-made movie. Um, and you know, in some ways it's making me, uh, excited about, uh, Dune part two. So, you know, I am, I am hopeful, uh, for sort of the, you know, the next stretch of Villeneuve's career. Um, and then the other one that I rewatched, and this was a first time watch for Kiana, was uh, The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan oh my God. miniseries um, documentary. It's, it's kind of 10 episodes, shorter-ish episodes, like 45 minutes. Um, but it is actually just so well done. It's such good filmmaking, such good storytelling. Um, Kiana is not someone who likes basketball, who cares about basketball. I mean, she does it a little bit. Um, she'll watch the games and stuff. But, uh, you know, really b- basically had had almost zero interest in watching this, um, this show. And then we uh, put it on. It was on ESPN or something late at night. And so I just put it on um, and we were watching it and she was like, wait, can we just start this over? Because like, this is amazing. Um, so if you haven't seen the last dance, i would I would so highly recommend well, it.
2: can i i I um, have to say that's funny. you bring that up because I actually just watched that show. I don't know if we ever talked about this, Cameron, but I watched it a few months ago for the first time um, oh. and I, I'd really put it off for a while because I was like, I don't care about basketball, you know, and it sticks <laughs> out. you know anything it's a TV yeah. show, I just automatically it has to take a lot for me to see it. but I figured. I think it was the only, th- I think it might be the only thing that you and my brother Kazu have recommended to me. So I, f- I finally sort of caved, mm. and it was quite good. It definitely has a little bit of that gloss of Michael Jordan being the executive producer of the show. But as a person who doesn't, <laughs> yeah. I don't like follow basketball at all or I didn't know, know anything about the team. Actually, maybe it made it more interesting because I was learning all this, seeing all these games for the first time and also just seeing, right. you know, you know, you'd sort of accept the common knowledge of Jordan's. Greatness at the game, but actually, like seeing this footage is pretty extraordinary, and it's great just a cast of characters. Like Dennis Rodman is just hilarious. Oh, um, I love him. <laughs> I love the, the thing that I think was really brilliant in the movie was everyone looking at the iPads where they would show someone else. What someone else said that was really funny yeah um steve kerr is great i love steve kerr fellow ramen shop uh fan uh we see him sometimes there mm. and, or we have seen <laughs> him there so uh yeah he was he was great in the movie i couldn't believe that part where he punched or he did he shove jordan and jordan punched him or something like that yeah same <laughs> um yeah great stuff. no
1: i mean just just so many great stories so much drama with the different teams um, you know, the way that they weave through all the all the different storylines. I love the the kind of going back and forth and, and tracking backwards from his uh, the start of his career and starting with kind of the end of his career. I love the structure of it. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I think I, I'm sure I've recommended it on the show before, but highly, highly recommend it. Um, Isaac, have you ever seen that little Last Dance? No,
0: no, mm-hmm. no, no. I have not seen it.
1: Yeah, I would I would give that a shot as someone who really genuinely does not care about basketball. So <laughs> um, the other thing that I watched that was a first watch uh, was My Octopus Teacher, which I had never seen before. Um, and it is a great little documentary. I don't have too much to say other than, um, yeah, really interesting story. And I think, um, I don't know, it's a very odd movie in a lot of ways um the the director is kind of an odd guy you can tell and you know his his sort of fascination with with the octopus is um is just very interesting to see uh the only reason we watched it was because i went snorkeling one day when i was in hawaii and uh and we actually did see an octopus and it was it was great it was really cute um and i was very surprised at At seeing the octopus because usually they're very well hidden, but, um, it appeared. And then Keanu was like, we should watch that documentary about the octopus. So, um, other than that, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting little slice of life documentary in some ways. Um, and then the, the only new movie that I watched, which I saw in theaters, uh, was the iron claw, which I really, really liked. Um, we were talking briefly before the show um, just about how good um, that performance is uh, by Zach Efron. And, you know, he's he's someone who I think literally the only performance I've seen him in is like High School Musical one and two, probably. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him oh, in really? anything else. Not even Neighbors? Uh, not that I can think of. Uh, you know what? I did watch the first Neighbors. That's true. I, I think um, that's a great movie. <laughs> yeah um but you know other than that i really just have have zero frame of reference for what he's been doing in his career other than i mean i know he was in baywatch and i know like there were certain certain times where he was cast as kind of the the hunk guy um but in this performance i mean he just really shines as a very very strong character actor in this movie um so i was i was very shocked at at you know how much um thought and emotion and and sort of um vulnerability he put into the performance um i think the movie overall you know the one criticism that i would have is sort of structurally and storytelling wise obviously there's not really a way to get around this without fully fictionalizing this story but structurally it really does feel like it's a story that um kind of ramps up and then and then you get to the it's like a roller co- you get to the peak, and then it just it's a roller coaster that just goes down endlessly forever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And oh, so it's yeah. like it, it has to be. It 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 feels like um unfortunately, like the structure of the movie kind of suffers from that. Um dramatically, you're just beat to a pulp by the end. And and so for me, you know. I don't want to see i don't want to say i like i was exhausted by the end which is a i think a success of the movie um but narrative wise i think it's it's a little tough to handle it's a big bite to chew um and i do think uh you know regardless of uh the criticisms that it's got you know there was um a a, a big sort of i would say like a um a minor backlash to the movie because they did cut out one of the brothers um, who is also sort of plays an impactful role in that story. And I think if they had that brother in there, the story just like it literally maybe would have been unwatchable almost like it's so sad already. It's very hard to add something else that's also so sad on top of it. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm um I don't want to say I'm split on it. I really, really loved the movie. I, I thought it was great and, and a great showing from, from that director. I forget his Sean name. Sean Durkin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the performances especially are, are just so excellent, but um, those are the ones that I wanted to shout out. Um, and yeah, if we want to talk about iron claw a little bit, wait, are there any is, others you, you
2: saw, saw? that you, you didn't want to shout out? Is there anything? Cause I always I always uh, feel like you watched something, some stuff with your family. That You never talk about on the show, <laughs> like you know, a dog's purpose, and and uh, it's always interesting. <laughs> um,
1: no, I didn't. I didn't really. Oh, I guess I watched um, National Treasure. I watched the first half of National. Journey, oh, that's good. Which is a great movie. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's all. Okay. I, um Yeah. Oh, I was gonna. Just, I'll
2: say. It, just I. I also saw Iron Claw and um, also thought it was quite good. I think it does. I don't know it 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 was scratching my my brain in terms of like the challenges of adapting certain stories and like how do you tell um something that's the the nature of this story i think it's is just very difficult to adapt i don't know if structurally there's another way he could have done it that makes it feel less like that sort of unending roller coaster that cameron was alluding to um but I think it's, it's it, given the challenges, I think he did quite a good job. And I think he also just um, resisted what it could have been, which is like super melodramatic or kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I think he, he pulls things back a lot. And I also think Zac Efron is doing that as well in his performance. And as someone who's yeah very charming and very kind of um, he tends to be a pretty outgoing presence in movies. Um, he really kind of uh, captures this Sort of almost introverted energy in the in the movie that was really surprising to me. Like those quiet scenes with him and Lily James was also terrific. Um, it was really unexpected, and then also just unexpected the combination of that gentleness with the huge, like bulked up, like body he has in the movie. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty. It's a pretty uh, fascinating sort of contrast, and a great movie about kind of. Uh, I don't know what you want to say. Masculinity, fathers and sons. Definitely, I was going to say, reminded me a lot of Waves in some ways. I think that the idea of this like father who's driving Mm -hmm. his kids in the athletic field, and also a first man in some ways, also which is about like men who can't really express what they have going on inside of them. Holt McCallany, by the way, as the father, really terrific. He's he plays Bill Tension, Mind Hunter, really, yeah. Um,
1: I also want to shout out from that movie the performance of the the youngest son, who I think does just a terrific job. Yeah, um, you know, just a very sad performance, um, but a very you know, especially in the early you know parts of the film, a very like it's it's a very endearing performance. You know, you want success for him, mm-hmm. um, and he's someone who I think written a little bit differently. It could be sort of that. Uh, that whinier insufferable kid but i think just the way that he performs it um it, it it in a similar way that like dominic sessa in the holdovers is kind of where it's like it's balancing that line of of being not you know n- like t- capturing teen angst without uh actually you making you feel um, like you want to punch him, you know? Yeah, no, so, he was really, that, that's um, the only
2: guy in the movie I'd never seen before. I think his name's Stanley Simons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was really great. Um, did you want me to talk about, or Isaac, did you have any movies you want to talk about before I, I'm not going to run through every movie I saw, but. No, go,
0: go, go ahead, Juzo, do your, do your highlights in the whole episode. Okay,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, Iron Claw, let's see. Uh, wh- one movie, the first movie I watched of the year, a rewatch but i hadn't seen it in about almost 9 years now is the martian i watched with my grandma have you guys seen that
0: mm. yeah i have not I
2: have yeah not. that that's a i th- i think it's held up quite well it 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 feels so of a different time i mean for a movie that came out in 2015 it feels as of a different time as like casablanca or something to me just in terms of a big scale <laughs> movie star movie a big scale science fiction movie no movie looks this good on that level of budget other than i think avatar or um dune like there are very few movies that look like that that's just like an original one-off movie there's no sequel um and then also just the uh the optimism of the movie and the, the the sensibility of like America and China will come together and like we'll all team up to bring this guy home. It's so like jovial and good-spirited. I cannot believe it's by Ridley Scott. I mean, I think when I saw it in 2015, <laughs> I didn't know much about Ridley and I didn't know I hadn't seen interviews with him. I didn't hadn't seen many of his movies. And to think that this 78-year-old like the grumpiest English man you've ever seen made a movie that like unironically rolls the credits to I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor um, is just a, a wonderful surprise. And um, yeah, we had a, just a great time watching it. I think Matt Damon is just uh, terrific. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. Um, that, that's Juliana's least favorite actor ever. Oh my God, Juliana. <laughs> We're going to have to have a talk about this.
0: Why is she not like she, Matt Damon? Uh, she is like, I just want to punch him. I just want to punch her. She just hates it. I think it was because we watched Departed together and that didn't <laughs> help. And then after yeah, that, we true. watched like Downsizing and she was like, I hate this guy. Those so, aren't really the I, best I,
2: examples I, of, of David.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, actually, I,
1: I, Definitely not downsizing. <laughs> that's the funny thing
2: about when you said that you want to punch him. I, I don't even I can't even really contradict that because I think that's For me, that's part of the appeal of like half of his movies is how much you want to punch him in the face. I mean, actually, my dad and I just last night, we watched The Informant, the Soderbergh movie with Matt Damon plays like the biggest imbecile, like one of the biggest imbeciles I've ever seen in any movie. Um, And I don't know, it's a delight. I think he's amazing in that movie, too. Um, The Martian, though, he's in like movie star mode. And it really struck me how much like with someone who's good doing the kind of because he's kind of doing a Deadpool almost narration or what became a Deadpool style meta narration um, with someone as charming as him. It doesn't make my skin crawl. Um, but with Ryan Reynolds and most people, it, it's the worst thing ever. But with him, I was OK with it. Um, let's see. We also revisited Nebraska, which I think is one of mm. the great probably top 50 movies of all time. Um, we I think we watched that back in the dorms. Right, Cameron? Um, yeah. Really wonderful movie by Alexander Payne, who made uh, The Holdovers, which we talked about. I think Nebraska is probably his best movie, and um, and downsizing, <laughs> and downsizing. That's right. Yeah, downsizing is his only <laughs> miss. Everything else Payne has made is is great. Um, but yeah, just uh, a wonderful, like, beautiful movie about uh, old age and and uh, about this young younger son's relationship to his father. Um, I just I just love it. Um, and then the one movie I really just wanted to sort of shout out because it it really blew me away. I watched this movie called How Green Was My Valley. Do you, have you heard of this movie, Cameron?
1: Yeah, you I know it. It, um, it no, no, I I've not. I know it won uh, Best Picture uh, the year that. <laughs> um, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane won- came out. That's and right. Did, yeah. <laughs> Which is
2: basically what I knew it for for most of my life. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, but I, with the sort of resurgence of John Ford uh, with the Fablemans, and I've been watching some of his movies. And also, my grandma. I'm not sure if she. Sometimes you don't know if my grandma if she actually watched the movie or she just bought the movie because she wanted to see it. But she'd been interested in it for a while. She actually owned the movie on Blu-ray. So we watched that together and I'm someone who's pretty not agnostic about John Ford, but I can't say I loved everyone. Like I don't love the searchers. I like it a lot. And I think it's like one of the best endings ever, but I'm not always over the moon about him. Um, This movie I was like leveled by. I was like, absolutely. I was like one of the most moving movie experiences I had all year. Not even in a good setting. We're just watching my grandma's little TV. There's stuff going on in the house. Like It's not even an ideal way to see a movie. And yet, the power of this movie that's from 83 years ago came right through. And um, I think it's just... It's it's kind of uh, reminded me, oddly, of more recent movies that have used narration and kind of explored... Uh, memory and the past in this kind of way where an older character is like or the the little boy character in the movie is narrating it as an adult and um, just beautifully made like an astonishing looking movie one of the most amazing sets you'll ever see in a movie this sort of mining village in Wales and um, I don't know I was just deeply moved by I think of all the movies I watched for the first time last year it's like number one or maybe number two after the deer hunter i think it's just a Mm. i I think we should do it on the show at some point because i think it's just extraordinary um so i saw a lot of other stuff but i think that's really the main one i wanted to to shout out because uh i think a lot of people kind of just think oh it's the more conventional movie that you know the typical you know all the movies that win best picture uh, oftentimes other than maybe the godfather and stuff like that get kind of sort of tossed into the waste bin of history as like, oh, that's what the mainstream Academy thought was good. And the really good stuff is overlooked. And that's often true. Um, but this is a case where I think, um, I mean, I'm not denigrating Citizen Kane at all. So that's a great movie as well. But this is, you know, also one of the great films of its time. Uh, and definitely my, I think the best John Ford movie I've seen too. So we want to recommend. What was that. the name of it? Uh, How Green Was My Valley, nineteen forty-one.
0: Oh, okay, all right. I'm looking at that. Has have any of you guys seen uh, the Man Who Shot uh, Liberty? Yeah, Valley? Liberty Balance. Yeah, no, yeah, I have. not yeah. That was. Was that any good? That was when
2: I watched After the Fablemans, and I had that kind of experience of being like, "Oh, that was pretty good," but I wasn't. It didn't like blow me away, you know. I was. Yeah, okay. I know it's it's to most people it's like his best movie, but I wasn't. I don't know. I kind of find when he was a little bit younger, his style to be a little bit more interesting to me than his older movie, his movies as he got older. But um, I don't know. It's a good movie though. It's worth seeing.
0: Well, I I enjoyed the Searchers, but I didn't like it as much as Red River. I think Red River was more fun to me for some reason. There mm-hmm. was some sort of energy about Red River with click, that clicked with me more than the Searchers. So. I'd like to. I'd like to give John Ford another shot. I enjoy watching his movies. Um, I feel like there's some kind of connection with his westerns uh, and and myself. So. Yeah, I
2: think you'd like uh, this one. I, there's such a, like a range of style and kinds of stories in the movie. Like, it's parts that are about family. There's romance. There's a lot of stuff about religion. There's. Um, it's really funny. There's like slapstick comedy scenes, and then there's scenes that are like deeply, deeply moving. I think it's kind of a sort of movie that can appeal to a lot of sensibilities.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know, Cameron. I mean, we're starting off the year with some, with some old movies. So I think, I think we're on the right, <laughs> the right step for this uh, podcast. We're only 25 minutes in. We haven't got to, or however long. Uh, I, I think we actually had some time on the clock before we actually started, but uh I'm, I'm going to make this quick, as quick as I possibly can. I, I spent a lot of time uh, over the break watching football. I had a guilty pleasure of watching the TV show Survivor, which I have I have not watched. So I've been uh, just indulging on some garbage reality TV. Mm-mm-mm. But it, I'm kind of impressed with it. It is not garbage. I, I'm kind of impressed with it. It is not it. garbage. Oh, my God. I'm really surprised. Oh. I'm actually really surprised. Uh, I, I have been uh, like kind of addicted to it i'll watch a season on a streaming service and be like yeah that's enough for me but then i just come crawling back i'm like okay what what's one more season you know what's (laughs) what's the problem with it so i i you know what juzo i'm i'm sorry for that slander i i am probably as addicted as you are but uh the more i watch it the more i enjoy uh, enjoy it and uh it's just great television i think it's just it's kind of dumb at times, and it's really um, impressive. However, they produce that show. I have no idea how they actually do it, but uh, I usually enjoy it a lot. My favorite thing to do as I'm watching it is I don't care about the games that they're playing, so I'll usually skip the explanation of how to play. Like <laughs> you know, five minutes in, and then start watching. It. It's way more entertaining oh, because really? obviously the show is all about the drama at camp and where people are are kind of like talking behind each other's backs. That's the best stuff. Um, but uh, when they're playing the game of throw the ball through the hoop or whatever, I don't need the explanation. I'd rather just see everybody oh. <laughs> scrambling for something. I don't know. See, I know so,
2: Isaac. I, that's uh, the part I always liked since I was a kid. Survivor is like one of the things that I loved as a kid. My parents even created a massive birthday party one time for me in like first grade. <laughs> that was based on Survivor. Oh, That's awesome. It's amazing. That is so cool. And, I don't, I haven't really watched it that much in the last 10 years, and I don't watch it regularly at all. Um, Not for any reason, really. But Kazu just put on the finale, like the last episode. And I, so I have no context, no investment in any of these players. And I was like locked in, man. I was riveted watching this thing. And they had this challenge where they were, had to carry these like, like uh, little like uh, bowls through this thing. And if they, Bump into the it. The tower collapses and it to start again, and it was some of the just most electric. Uh, whatever you want to, I I I I reticent to even call this filmmaking, but it, it is great what they do. Like the way it's crafted, yeah, it's yeah, great. It is. Like they had it these is. like long lens shots of the players where they're putting the thing on, and you see them like locked in like putting it on there, and I was just like, man, this is really it's well crafted for as kind of you know it's just a game. Um, I I think it's really great, and 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 even the kind of silly the players being interviewed and their strategies, and and they always get like these. There's always like one like absolute moron on the team. Um, it's it's I don't know. It's very it's just fun to watch. It's really fun to watch.
0: (laughs) I uh yeah, and then they they do this thing each season where they kind of change it up. Like oh, this season there's three teams instead of two teams, or this season we're bringing back old players, or this team it's going to be like. Pretty people versus smart people, and and they always like do this the, kind of this different spin on it that you're like, oh, I could keep watching this, I guess, you know. Um, yeah, some of it's on Netflix, some of it's on Prime. I'm watching one on Prime right now. There was a character Cameron that I that he was the first one voted off the island. I don't know what season I'm watching. But he had this whole strategy where he's like going to reverse psychology people to vote him <laughs> off. He like explained this whole thing where he's like, he's like, I'm just going to tell everyone to vote me off. It's cool because I can't do it. He's like, but I'm actually playing a guy that people sympathize with, and then I have to make someone else look worse than me. He had this whole plan, and it just resulted in him getting voted off. It was hilarious. I was like, this is a. Uh, he had so much screen time. <laughs> only for him to be out that first episode <laughs> i was like this is That's something so man funny. so yeah i've been watching a lot of that um having my mind melt And on top of football let's just say you know i got the most out of my break with it when it came to media um and i've been uh i've been um playing some video games i've been playing the mass effect trilogy obviously not the place to be talking about video games but just interesting uh, to see interactive media and storytelling that game has so much writing. And I just feel like it's starting to bruise some ideas in my head, like, where are the writers, you know, in, <laughs> in a generation of like AI content driven timeline, get the stuff out, you know, when stuff is really well written, even if it's janky and old, it still stands out, you know, mm. in video games. I think that's true in movies. So, um, really been enjoying that. The one movie that I wanted to bring to the table that I did watch over the break is a film that had a lot of controversy and I finally watched it. It's called sound of freedom. I did watch it on Amazon. Um, I have heard a lot about this. I have, um, some conservative friends who are like, you got to watch this movie because you know, it stands up against, you know, all those (laughs) crazy Hollywood liberal elites and stuff, you know, and then there's the, the all the all the feed of news. You know, the sound of freedom is is the best movie. You know, the highest. And and to be honest, my my interest in in really watching it kind of came from a place from the show of uh, studios succeeding with high gross profits outside of the Hollywood system. Um, so I sat down and watched it. Uh, I think that the movie outside of the controversy is actually pretty good uh i think it's it's solid but i don't think it's perfect and i do think that the subject material obviously dealing with like you know child trafficking is it it does a good job conveying it as wrong um (laughs) i think one of the (laughs) one of the things it would be a failure if they uh, did the opposite (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i mean one of the things is like i i don't know how you don't have that be black and white, but there's also something about uh, it being black and white that makes it feel like, you know, good versus evil. There's like kind of that old school thing. And I will say the the creators of the film, um, I think did did a good job in like kind of capturing that Jason Bourne-esque feel with this movie. There's a little bit of the action sort of, you know, like special ops thing going on with it so there, there are like some other elements but I think the film is overall pretty simple I had um, a few issues with like the production of it but this again this is outside the system I really hated the music I really hated the choice of the scoring and the music in the movie it like really bothered me and it was a primary point at the beginning and the end they tried to like close it out with music uh, and so I'm sorry if you haven't seen it because if you watch it now it's gonna bug you. Um, at least it would bug me if I watch it. It was just I just found the music really irritating. Um, oh, it's the pants. So that Labyrinth was the w- interesting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then um, the the second thing is that I think it's kind of like twenty minutes too long. Uh, I feel like it has a little bit of some pacing issues. The greatest scene in the movie uh, is this like big sort of like um, con setup where they catch a bunch of. Pedos and stuff, and it's really great. It's a really great scene. I think that's what the movie does best. The setup before that takes forever, and there's also a lot of, um, there's there's a lot like setting up like where the motivation is coming from to like wanna, uh, you know, do this whole operation, and and it just it just like it also spends time like you know, kind of introducing the subject matter. A lot of like you know not showing but you still have to sit there for 30 minutes knowing what they're talking about and kind of you know they do they kind of do the thing of like you don't see anything you don't have to like face it head on it's pretty it's pretty tasteful but it still is like it made me feel pretty yucky uh which i don't know like that obviously right i think that's probably the movie's hardest thing right Uh, is that it, it it's dealing with very difficult subject matter um but I feel like if it was twenty minutes shorter, it could have been a great experience. I mean, there were little moments in the movie where there's like a boat going across the water, and you're looking at it, and it's still going across the water, and it's st- I'm like, dude, that's like four seconds on the clock you could have shaved right there. You know, there were, it just felt like a lot of moments like that where we didn't need the boat for a twelve second shot. It could have been a six second
1: shot, right? Well, you're we, gonna hate the guy we're about to talk. About. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Jeez. We will get there. You.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, the difference is I was more engaged with this movie than (laughs) that one. All right. So, uh, yeah, the overall, like, I, I do think like, if you're interested in seeing something outside the system, it's worth watching, obviously, you know, viewer discretion. It's, it is a, a serious subject matter. I think it's handled fairly well and could be a little shorter, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see a movie like this exist and, um, I would. I, I want to see more from the studio. Hopefully, we can see more lower budget, high high profit movies. Um, I I do think that this film highly benefited from the press that it got. Uh, without the press, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. But um, kind of the big setup and, and climax, which happens in the middle of the movie, even though it should have happened at the end, <laughs> which happened at the middle of the movie. Um. It is, it is incredible. And they do this thing at the end of the movie where they show the footage from like the real operation and you're like, holy smokes, like this looks just like the movie, which is, is pretty wild. So, um, yeah, I, would say it was good, but not, it's not the extremes that I've heard on either side. It's not the worst movie ever and it's not the greatest movie ever. So, uh, kind of what I expected when I, when I walked into it, but. Uh, this is, of course, Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash productions. If you enjoy the show, you want to give us a couple bucks to get some exclusive content there. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Just giving us a rating. Sharing the show helps our production grow. We really appreciate your time with us, hanging out with us, and listening to us rant for half an hour before we get to the review of this movie but i don't even Sorry. know what we're gonna talk about i could i could go on a <laughs> lot longer uh you know i was gonna go on i was tempted to do a full 17 again spin-off after the iron claw discussions so, <laughs> uh wh- well, whatever you know here we are watching another boring black and white movie uh boring. cameron what give us context about? about why we're doing this. <laughs> I mean, well, the director literally makes a joke about his own movie halfway through it. So I don't he know. He does what to do say. that. He
1: does actually do that. That's true. Like, does he? But I remember that. oh, go ahead. Yeah, no he he does. He does. Um, uh, yeah, which is pretty funny. Okay, you got to give him credit for that at least. Um, that was the moment where I was like, "This movie's not as bad as I thought." I will say. <laughs> um, yes. Well, I have been wanting to do this for a while. I've been wanting to dive. Uh, you into uh, Ozu movies specifically because they're something that I um, sort of through like grit and and you know gritting my teeth and bearing the uh, boredom that I felt in many classes Um, I actually took a semester-long class um, (laughs) diving into we watched like almost all of his movies Um, and you know so so I, I really did have to grit and bear uh, many of the um uh what you would say, what, what probably most people would say is just very very boring movies of of ozu and in in some ways um he's a director who you know like uh uh you can get on board with uh like kurosawa movies or even like you know some mm-hmm. of the animation uh where it's like it's you know they're they're action packed or they're you know they have this this sort of hook at the beginning. Um, but this these movies, Ozu movies, are very, very um, insular. They're, they're tied to the culture. They're tied to, to sort of the time period of Japan in a lot of ways. Um, and in some ways, these are very, very difficult movies um, <laughs> to, to recommend, to like, to appreciate. Um, and so one of the things that I wanted to do for you, Isaac, um, and I know I I kind of um, as as I always do, um, I let you go in blind to this movie um, because I, I do want to get your sort of straightforward reaction. Um, but in on another level, because we're going to be watching three more of, of Ozu's movies. Oh. OK, so <laughs> um, and you, too, Juzo, you, oh. too. Okay? I'm coming to every join episode. Us. Yeah you, oh <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. Oh, my God. Oh,
2: yeah, you are. That's, I'm that's gonna my turn, decision.
1: I'm going to turn both of you into, into, if not Ozu fans, at the very least, Ozu appreciates. So you're talking about okay? all these these Sound of
2: Freedom fans who are like, <laughs> who, I just imagine like people are always like, SF State college institutions are brainwashing the next generation, and Cameron's brainwashing is that like Yasujiro Ozu is a great director. <laughs> but
1: um, yeah, basically that that was kind of my um, in in a lot of ways. It's weird when you when you have a lot of exposure to one person's ideas, um, and you sort of sit with them, you get comfortable with them. Um, at first, I think, especially someone like Ozu, who I, I can't stress this enough, um, his filmmaking is extremely um, <laughs> uh, distancing. At least for for someone like me, it's for someone of a of a Western um, oh, audience, as a someone who you mean, is okay. no, I mean, oh, even okay. even just the fact that we live almost a hundred years after he made this movie, you know, ninety years after he made this movie, you know, there's something about that where <laughs> where there's this is a movie that um, uh, shouldn't really appeal to to anybody of the modern era, um, and I do think uh one of the one of the challenges of of watching this movie for you and watching the next uh, handful of movies for you that that I would challenge both of you is to sort of um, instead of being sort of sort of expressly critical about um, you know these are the things that I want to 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 talk about with the these are the points and blah 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 um I do just want you to kind of sit, with these movies, to explore these movies, um, to let them kind of, the, the way that I let it <laughs> happen, um, I think it's probably what you feel about Tenet, um, Juzo, what? is to not think not think about the movie, uh, but to, just to let it wash over. I would almost you know, argue it's the <laughs>
2: polar, it's like the exact opposite of how I feel about Ozu, which is that it it it's ridiculous and stupid and doesn't work, but it's incredibly entertaining to watch. And this is, like, the opposite, where, like... I think you Actually, I, I'm, I'm yeah. sort of playing, like, playing up like I hate... It. I, I thought it was... I didn't hate the movie, um, but it's
1: not fun to watch, like, at all, <laughs> and I don't think
2: it's even... <laughs> well, well
1: but be, that's, that's but, kind of what yeah. I mean. That's actually... That, that's what I mean is um, with something like Tenet, you know, the the feeling that you're having wash over you is is sort of this this energy and this, uh, you know, the the craftsmanship and, and whatnot. You're not really thinking about sort of anything that's going on. But for Ozu movies, it is it is the opposite um, where it is very plot heavy. It's very dry. Um, but in some ways, I I want I I invite you both to to treat these movies in the same way. Um, to, to let that sort of feeling, um, uh, kind of sit with it mm-hmm. and just, and just go along. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't expect you both to, <laughs> to end up, you know, going back and revisiting these movies, but, um, I have found that I will put them on, uh, sometimes because I like the, um, there's something very comfort comforting about these movies, um, there's something very um deep and sincere and honest about these movies, um regardless of if they're fun or entertaining to watch. Um, and so that's that's kind of my my opening pitch to both of you. I know this is uh, <laughs> not not the you know exciting entertaining way to kick off the new year, but in some ways i think I think this is kind of an appropriate direction because. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of really fun movies, uh, for the past, you know, probably six months or so. Um, but for these movies, which are not going to be necessarily fun, I do think, um, they're ones that I find a lot of meaning in, um, and that I find to be really actually, um, very powerful movies. Um, so that's, that's kind of, like I said, that's my, my opening pitch, I want to hear Isaac what you what you oh. thought. This is your first exposure to to Ozu, um, and uh, I guess before we do that, I, I will give a little bit of context. Um, I think it's 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 a little hard to go too deep into sort of the history and blah blah blah. I don't and I don't think it matters that much. Um, you know, when we're talking about him as a filmmaker. Um, like the history of, of Japan or Japanese filmmaking at this time, I think it's, he's kind of an, he's, he's totally outside of all of that. Um, but for, yeah, just, just to give you, a, I mean, I guess a little bit of background. Um, he was someone who came up in, in the silent era in Japan. Um, he's kind of one of the very early pioneering film directors of Japanese film um, and this is actually his first um, dialogue movie. Um, and even in this, this very early iteration of kind of some of the same movies, same, same themes that he's going to be talking about in, in many of his movies, um, you start to see his very unique and very, um, uh, you know, sort of quintessential style come out in a, in a movie like this. Um, and I think we'll get into that maybe later in, in, you know, as we move along and get more familiar with him, but, um, but yeah, Isaac, uh, (laughs) tell me about how bored you are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say Cameron, you did sort of give me a tiny hint when you said you're going to, you're going to love me this week, Isaac, (laughs) uh, and you, you sent me the name of the movie. Now, to be honest, I was a little concerned that whatever it was, it was going to be more modern and lean more into the horrific or you know captivating side of of cinema. I know that uh, modern cinema like is praised when it's adventurous, engaging. It has like a suspensefulness, like a dark side, or like a you know there there, there are elements where you think about like the A twenty four film lover. And so when you said you're going to love me, I'm like, oh no! Like, is this going to be one of those like uh, freaky movies that is going to scar me or is it going to be like one of those weird boring movies like tar where nothing happens oh come on now. it's just eerie and come on now. and you know uh, <laughs> i was like i don't know what i can expect I said, oh it's a black and white movie what a treat i was so excited you know um and as soon as this movie started i was pretty bored i was <laughs> i was like i thought the setup was um you know it it, it starts with A mother who's uh, a single mother who's kind of working a factory job and she has a son that wants to go to school and she doesn't have a lot of money to do it. Um, And the setup is basically that she um, decides that she is going to overextend herself and work hard to send her son away to school, uh, being the kind of major sacrifice only for the majority of the film uh, to follow her journey to visit her son when she's much older. To see what he's become uh, in the big city uh, after he went to school, I felt like the setup at the beginning of the movie was what I was really bored of. I was like, "This is just so dry." But I've I because of this show, you know, I've I've watched boring things, and I'm like, "If this is just like, I mean, this this is 1936. I mean, this is pre World War II." So I'm like, "This is maybe people like this just because it's." footage from the past you know there's some kind of value to that uh, you know it, it, there's something historical about it um and i don't think there's anything to to ride home about the acting in the, middle of the movie but you know as it as it kind of continues forward and uh the mother begins to visit the city and um there there's the relationship between her and her son kind of the cracks begin to show and there's some tension built up between her son who's not Uh, Really succeeding in the city and not really doing much with his life and his mother who has slaved away to give him the life he wanted and there's guilt with him and there's suddenly there's like this um, kind of character complexity that was out of left field for me uh, because I thought I was just going to be bored watching old footage the entire time or it was going to devolve into some sort of uh, film where people are running around the room. Uh, what? You know, and I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, sometimes old movies, like, you know, the people are scurrying about because it's, like, action-packed, right? Like like or something Howard like Hawks that. or something? <laughs> so I, yeah, I didn't know <laughs> something like that was going to break out where they're, like, jumping on trolleys or something. I was like, where where is this going? That's an Ozu know? movie I'd like uh, to see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and One that he never made. No. <laughs> and uh, instead, it's very contemplative in, in these emotions, right? It's interesting what you're saying about how this, this movie – is so old and so separated from what's happening in Hollywood. And um, once the credits rolled, I, I was like, okay, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't, like, entertained, but maybe the purpose of the movie wasn't to be entertaining, right? Which is, which is why I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's why I don't recommend it. That's why I don't think that anybody in our age range would care at all to watch it. Right. Um, because to me, some of the best cinema like kind of surprises you with entertainment and then twists it into something like kind of profound uh, or, or it, it does something to kind of captivate you first, then it, it kind of hits the home run. And this movie doesn't really want to do that. Uh, it just sort of decides that it wants to address its, its main points. And I think what I was most impressed with by the end of the film is that, you know, it presented some fairly compelling drama that still holds true to today. I mean, a lot of the emotions explored in the family, um, between a guilty son failing to achieve something to a mother who's worked so hard to set her son up. Right. And, and the tension that comes with that, they, they really go through a lot of, a lot of different thoughts. I mean, even the small conversation. Between, um, this, or, or not the small, like the, the main conversation has like a lot of profound implication where the mom is like, you're so young. Like, how can you say that? Like it's over, you know? And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is a conversation that still happens today all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that the film definitely has some merit. I'm actually excited about this month after watching this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Because seeing something like that, it's like, I feel like I'm already beginning to piece together that this director doesn't want to entertain you. He wants to like leave you with something like wise right off the bat, you know? And so um, it just, it feels like a very different approach to storytelling. Um, It feels like what like kind of myth and legend attempted to do way in the past, but now it's being, you know, kind of painted on, on the cinema screen. Right. Um, people used to tell, you know, kind of fairy tales to be, uh, some sort of strange lesson. It's just, I think this is like, it, it weirdly has like kind of this peaceful approach to, to doing that. Um, now I, I don't know if in the future when I watch other movies by this director, I, I won't, like I won't be able to stand it, but to the film's credit, it was pretty short. Thank goodness, right? Uh, to the film, <laughs> to the film's credit, I think it's it's ending statements and and what it's trying to say, like it's wisdom that's still matters. You know, ninety years later, or 90, you know, ninety years later or whatever. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it's one of those films that it's like I guess if you do consider yourself like a cinephile, like. You should dive into this stuff. Um, And I think there was a lot of uplifting uh, good things in it thematically. Now, the viewing experience, I found the technology and like kind of the the experience of watching it to be really painful. I thought that, um, <laughs> yeah, I thinking so on an
1: rhetorical... audio level,
2: you're going to be like tormented. I said, yeah,
1: yeah. The sound is, is pretty, is pretty, Which I think I, is you know, what might to, just to be, be the,
2: expected. how it's preserved also. Cause I mean, there's plenty of movies you watch yeah. in the, even the early thirties that don't sound nearly that bad.
1: Um, but well, and also you have to think, um, this is one of the very earliest, um, talking pictures in japan which is you know not necessarily a um you know at this point i mean it's a it's a pretty technologically advanced country but it's you know it's not to where it is now and you know talking pictures um they were only invented uh, a handful of years before by americans so this is sort of really really brand new technology uh, that's imported to japan you know so this so i will say. Um, Obviously, his films uh, do increase in quality in terms of just uh, just the length of time that it, um, you know, the next movie that we're going to watch is from 1949. And, um, you know, there's already a a great increase in quality. So, um, yeah. So don't don't worry about that too much. I I agree with you. And I, I think it's unfortunate that movies of this era um are so you know it's it's really basically impossible to find movies that are preserved in a way that's um you know spotless and and kind of um blemish free and maybe uh, you know i think in a lot of ways um a movie like this that you saw in the theaters in 1936 i think would look very very different than what we're seeing now so um i would just keep that in mind and unfortunately that's the sort of the reality of of the um, technology that we have, the preserv, the preservation that we have of these films, yeah, um, yeah. like,
0: th- I, mean, I, 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 did think overall, you know, like the bones were there for me to be interested in whatever's next for this director. Um, I do think that you, you know, the the presentation's rough because it's so old. Also, there's, you know, you're you're watching something that's, um translated which we've watched Korean films before but I think like something about it being slow difficult to look at and listen to and also like I have to translate I'm like it's asking a lot from me (laughs) and not being that engaging right it is so um I like yeah I felt I feel fairly neutral about the film and kind of optimistic about uh, whatever's next for them. That's
1: good. I'm surprised uh, that you have such a positive yeah view of things. I do want to mention um, sort of you were you were talking thematically before you get we get into your thoughts, too. so um, th- you know, sort of the themes. I do really want you to keep this in mind, you know as we uh, as we move along through his his filmography. But um, many of the stories that he's telling, I love what you said about sort of the mythos. Um, and sort of this this fairy tale esque nature, um, that's essentially what he's doing. Is is in all of these movies, he's making um, your family. You know, he's making a family of this time period. He's making a story about these people. You know, so so that's something to definitely keep in mind. And I will say, as someone who you know is. 80 plus, 90 years removed from this movie who is not from the culture, who's sort of having all of these, these, you know, impediments to my connection experience to the story of this, this movie. Um, What it's saying is so true and so deep and fundamental that I think it's, it's almost universal. I mean, this is a story about someone who, is ambitious early on, whose parents have hope in them, who are you know, whose they all they want in life is this dream, and then when they go and try to achieve it and they don't succeed, they don't live up to their expectations quite yet. Um, they feel like a failure. They feel like they've their parents have sacrificed um, everything for for nothing. They feel like they're um, you know they're stuck in life that there's no hope for them in the future um this could be a movie about a a mother and son in 2023 you know in 2024 like this is this is just as relevant today as it was 100 years years ago in japan so i think that's one thing to keep in mind of about how um Yes, this is a this is kind of a parable about these you know this specific time period in Japan. But in some ways, it's a very Ozu is a very smart um, storyteller in this way, and and you know his he, you know the the ability to capture this this essence of um, you know of guilt and failure. And not living up to expectations. I mean, these are things that are um, echoed in a lot of his of his movies going forward. But there are also things that are still just so relevant to um, you know how we feel about ourselves. Um, and so that is one thing that I that I will definitely ask you to keep in mind moving forward. Um, viewing the next couple of his movies is. Um, Think about what is relevant to to our own experience, um, and and sort of think about sort of the prescience of a filmmaker, you know, of, of this era, commenting on about maybe just a, a universal human experience. Um, Juzo, I'm, I'm curious. You're someone who has seen Tokyo Story, I believe. I think ago. that's the only Ozu yeah. movie. Um so and and I will say this was intentional that I picked a movie that was an hour and 20 minutes okay <laughs> it was intentional um because I know this is like we're dipping our toes in a bit and we're going to dive in deeper his movies really aren't that long but some of them are like in the 2 hour mark so I didn't want to start you off on a 2 hour movie um and I think as as s- this is like kind of as simple and as distilled as it gets for a movie like, you know, like he makes um, and, and we'll only sort of build on this foundational block moving forward. Um, Juzo, I'm curious to, to hear your, your experience with this movie.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to address something from earlier in the episode. I, I used a, a word that may have been derogatory to Isaac based on his reaction. The word "cracker," and I just want to say, I'd like to apologize to the white community if anyone was offended by
0: my use. It was meant. It, oh, I, I I thought it was like just a hilarious, aggressive take against. I was like, "What is going on?" It was meant purely. I in had the my chest. mic. I had my my mic muted, and I was like, "I don't even know." I just we're going long already. Let's just uh, let's just move on from that. Okay. You
2: know? Yeah. No worries. Uh, so I just wanted to address that, and then the movie is. <laughs> <laughs> the movie itself, <laughs> um, get to the point, yeah, 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 I mean yeah. come on, let's hear it. yeah, i I definitely shared some of Isaac's experience of it being difficult to get into in some ways. Um, the technical stuff, I think, you know, I'm used to watching old movies and that sort of thing, uh, and that it being a little bit um, shaky, primitive. That's not not a big deal. Actually, I thought it's quite beautifully shot. And um yes. I I kind of love the way he composes images in the movie. And some of the stuff where he's shooting them like out by the smokestacks and there it's also that's a really great scene of them talking is really yeah, it's beautifully done. Um Yeah i there's there's just certain i have certain like hang-ups with parts of the the way he does things in in the movie like the whole shot reverse shot thing he it's just very unusual and it could just be a matter of getting used to it just like once you've watched a lot of ozu movies you kind of fall into the rhythm of it but it is odd it has a quality of kind of like you almost feel them saying like all right cut let's do another setup turn the camera around face the other person like it it feels it's very staged i guess is what i would say about it on the other hand of that the performances have a naturalism that's really unusual for um not just japanese cinema because i mean my my comparison is like the ridiculous overacting of those kurosawa (laughs) movies that i just cannot stand (laughs) at least the ones i've seen at least the, the samurai ones in particular um but also even the the American movies of the thirties. I mean, it was film yeah. filmmaking was not a naturalistic medium; it was very much a theatrical medium at the time, and so to see these kind of performances from this eighty eight year old movie, um, is really interesting. And but it, and then it's like funny because at times it's like sometimes it's like really bad i mean the one thing that was just fine and this is just like it doesn't matter at all but it just both times it happened it, i like noticed it was the kid where they the kids are pretending to cry and i was so that's oh, and yeah. at least one of them maybe the kid was actually like the characters <laughs> pretending to cry but one of them it's like the kid was like you saw him standing there and he's like oh i'm supposed to cry now and he goes boo hoo and uh yeah that was that
1: okay was. i just want to point out that that's a joke i know that uh you're not familiar with ozu's uh style of very dry humor but both of those sequences was he faking? so he was faking
2: both times i thought the second time he was yeah. not faking
1: no he's faking this se- well well it's it's just funny because they they have the same cry. That's that's basically yeah. the joke. That's, oh, okay. that's the gist yeah, of okay. the joke. I thought
0: it, I thought um, it was I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, oh, so Ozu hates children. That's what it is. <laughs> a little it's bit. Just, it's just coming bit. out, you know. He does. There's a cynical um,
1: edge to it. Yeah. Well, there's a movie that we we um, are not going to watch. That's kind of later in his career. Um, that's actually exclusively children, um, and it's a pretty funny. Mo- it's one of his comedies, <laughs> but. Um, but uh is that good morning yeah. anyways no it's uh, uh, oh yeah it's good morning uh, yeah yeah no um, it's i hate children <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but basically basically i mean there's a very it's a very um <laughs> it's a very cynical movie um but i will say you know speaking of of sort of crying scenes the one of the one of the reasons you could tell that that's a joke is um <laughs> is very early on there's a there's a sequence where they both are kind of where she, she sort of breaks down and, um, and, you know, says like, okay, I'm going to put you through school. I'm going to sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. And they, they both have a very similar reaction, of, you know, where they're, they're sitting there and they're kind of crying, but, but very composed. Um, and it's a beautiful sequence of, of sort of, you know, acting on both of their parts. And then they, they reference that later on. There's sort of a, that mirror image of them later on um yeah so anyway so so yeah um yeah i think i mean obviously there is a little bit of you can tell if you're familiar with with silent movies um that he's still kind of getting his sea legs on for for sound for sound movies um there's a little bit of like these these silent gaps uh, where it's like it's like, you know, a little bit clunky. Yeah, that's also fair. Areas. That's
2: also fair. Is Yeah, that's true. It's his first movie where he's doing...
1: Though, I have to say, my memory of
2: Tokyo Story is it's a little bit... It has that similar thing where it's like... I think a part of it is like you never see the other person. He doesn't do any two shots, or most of these interior scenes, at least, with dialogue. It's like you're looking at one person, and then the camera flips around. It's like the camera's in between them. Um, it has a yeah, well, it's. Of,
1: staginess to it but i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing yeah um i mean it's it's definitely stylistic and it's a very unique aspect to his filmmaking and i would say um as you're more familiar with the language of ozu um those sequences are usually the most sort of um where they're being the most honest with each other Mm. where they're being the most Mm. clear Mm -hmm. um or, you know, on the flip side, they're sort of um, wanting to keep something from you. Um, and the, and there's, there's a certain amount of, of, you know, even in the conversation where they're, they're sh- sort of sitting in the smokestack, um, you know, they do, they st- he starts the conversation with them sort of in that two shot um, with the smokestack behind and, um, and they're kind of starting that conversation And as they get more deep and more vulnerable, um, then he switches into those those one shots back and forth. Um, So, you know, it's obviously intentional. I I don't want to say it's not, you know, it doesn't look staged or or whatever. Um, Maybe it does. But for me, it's like those are the moments that key me in or sort of like clue me that something important. Narrative-wise, this happened. Okay, this happened.
2: The, the, there's there's one other thing I just have to mention. Again, it's, like, not terribly <laughs> important, but there's a the part where the two of them, which I think I just missed the title card. I had to go back. I realized, like, seven years had passed. But when it's the two of them in the car, they're going back, <laughs> and they have these <laughs> giant rictus smiles on their faces <laughs> that was yeah. like straight out of david lynch like that's literally he does a thing like that in mulholland drive where the aunt and uncle <laughs> are in the back of the car after they've dropped off naomi <laughs> watts they look exactly like the two of them are like we're so happy to be here uh that was really very off-putting but hey, you know, i guess yeah. sign of the times I was, yeah
0: I, I was trying to put together a, an argument that this movie is a horror movie but then it became somewhat you know, nullified after. I don't know. It, uh, but yeah, it, it, <laughs> I was like, oh, this, this is going to spiral. It doesn't even matter what happens. This is that those smiles, man. Yeah, I can see where the you want them. The boredom and the smiles. It's clearly <laughs> out to torture you. Yeah. No.
1: Well, that is true. It is out to torture you. I would say um, for, for that scene, especially I do love it. Um, you, see all these things just make more sense when you, uh, when you sort of just bask in the, in the in the feeling of ozu right um the thing that i get right it's you know it switches to 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 you know whatever 13 years later um and and sort of it doesn't tell you yet um, but as you find out later this is an unexpected visit from uh, from the mother mm-hmm. um and so you know when i when i'm re-watching this movie because i know that um it, it all starts to click where it's like, oh, they're sort of fake. They're actually, they actually are faking being happy, you know, with each other or he's sort of putting on this smile and she's not sure what to expect. And there's this mm-hmm. sort of, um, politeness at, there's this, you know, veneer of politeness, uh, throughout this conversation, um, which is very awkward, especially to someone to, to us who are very like, openly affectionate and you know sort of we see each other we, hey you know yeah love, you know the you know, american
2: interpersonal way is very very different than, than even the modern japanese and certainly the japanese of 88 years ago
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um you know and so this this scene to me fits in that in that sort of um element where it's it's kind of he's kind of in some ways he's kind of picking apart that um that thickness um for both of them so um, I think that's kind of interesting. But
2: yeah, I think um, it's definitely a movie that rewards uh, your patience, I think in, in, in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways because I was really Get used just to like, saying that, <laughs> oh my God, what am I looking at here for early? I mean and there was, there was stuff where they just they go to the movies and you just watch the movie for a while, where I was yeah. just like, what's going on here? Which actually became, I have to give credit to credit to a person I never thought I would give credit to, Richard Brody who is commenting about how, you know, it, it is interesting to watch in the time, um, you know, knowing it's pre-World War II, but kind of leading up to that, that it is a German movie they're watching. Like there is, yeah. there is and actually we we're talking about it's pretty timeless. I think that's like one of the few things that's kind of like a key aspect of it being 1936. Um,
1: yeah, and then another one, another little <laughs> pre-war Easter egg later on is um, he's is, it's, it's actually in his house um, there's like a new angle that you've never seen before. Um, and, and it's a guy on a horse and it says Germany underneath. <laughs>
2: and oh, you're like, wait, what? I think I missed in that. In English.
1: It says that in English.
2: Oh, oh I'm um, sorry.
1: Speaking of things I
2: missed, what was the joke about the boringness of the movie? Cause I don't think I, oh, oh, you just
1: mean, well, you it, mean where
0: the mother falls asleep in the movie?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. she okay. falls asleep. Yeah. Well, and, that's and, the first time and,
0: she, that's the first time she watched a talkie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, which again is like it's a funny it's a clever little gag it's a funny scene and it's actually
2: again it's like you watch it you're like man this is so boring but when you think about it later you're going hey this is kind of an interesting like it's showing the generational difference between the two of them um, I, you know, I, like I can relate to showing my mom or, or my grandma something where I'm like, isn't this really cool? Look at this new thing. And they're like, oh, what do you even, why are you even show me this for? Like, get this out of my face. Um, so, you know, that's kind of nice. And then as it goes along, it definitely reveals <laughs> that he actually has something he's getting at when, when there's those conversations with the mother and, and things yeah. kind of come out. And again, in this very kind of. I don't be too generalistic here, but in in a way that feels very Japanese, in the sense that it's there's a lot of like the niceties on the surface, and a lot of kind of like showing respect and like saying acting like everything like we're we're in just kind of good spirits and friendliness here, and um,
1: uh,
2: expressing what's going on under the surface is is a little bit sort of difficult, and is shown in in kind of a somewhat awkward or clumsy way between the two of them that felt very real. The two of them talking outside the smokestack, the smokestacks was, it felt like authentic. And as you said, it felt like timeless. It felt like conversations that people have continued to have for the last, um, you know, many decades. So, yeah. And then, then other stuff like the whole thing with, you know, I'm watching the, you start following the kid playing with a horse like that's another thing where i'm going like i I was like what are we even doing here like what even what just happened like did i just like have an aneurysm and then that pays off like it's a a very touching you know scene that follows that of why he's getting so so it's it's with these kinds of movies there's a certain amount of you going "Eh, what and then and then it's and sometimes you go "Eh, what and then the answer is not satisfying but i felt like this movie it was somewhat satisfying, even if it's not really. I think another thing this movie um, suffers from it for me personally is just the fact I've seen like better, more rich, deeper versions of these kind of stories just by people who have been influenced by Ozu. And also, you know, as we were talking about, this is yeah. also an early work for him. Um, but there is, you know, one of my favorite directors, probably my favorite Japanese directors here, Kazu Koryeda. And he really like owes his entire career to I mean, and I'm sure he himself would say is like he's making movies kind of in the spirit of uh, Yasuhiro Ozu, and I think um, there are movies I've seen by him that you know explore very similar themes um, in a way that has a, have a little bit less artifice or staginess and have a little bit more. Um, it feels a little bit less th- of a... I wouldn't say this is like a morality play, but there is a, set, a sense of this being kind of like more of a fable than like a mm-hmm. hangout with like where you get a really deep understanding of like, you know, going like to talk about the holdovers or, um, you know, uh, Richard Linklater, you know, Before Sunrise or something like movies where you really sit with the characters. These characters are very kind of like sparsely drawn. Um, more than just ideas, I will say. I think, and and it's not... and the thing that distinguishes it from just being a message movie, I think um, is also just in the way that um, like the ambivalence at by, by the time you get to the end and the way the actress playing the mother uh, plays that as not just like, Oh, all is well in the end. It's it, the movie. He, he's smart enough to not leave you with a sense of like, Oh, all is fixed. And here's, we're going to put a nice bow tie on this. Like it's mm. showing that like life is still difficult and, and is not uh resolved and easy um but you know there there's a there's a glimmer of like hope in her eyes so i think um i think it, it definitely like works works in that way even if i'm not over the moon about it and i'm not exactly like looking forward to tons of these kinds of movies but you know maybe maybe <laughs> they get better i don't know i, I mean i remember liking tokyo store when i saw it I, there's a chance i might really like it a lot more so um i i'm not uh, i'm i'm half humorously acting like this was like <laughs> such an arduous experience it, it it was it was not
1: yeah well i will say um at, at least for the talkie scene um i tried and i cannot find what movie they are watching so my my question is mm. is it like uh um robert Rodriguez? Putin Tarantino thing where he had like a buddy coming in and film a scene or something <laughs> or like is it is it like an actual movie? I, I have got no idea. I couldn't.
2: Together, to... <laughs> yeah, actually, I could yeah. Have to look that up. Let me see if I. Can. I could
1: not. I could not for the life of me find uh, find what movie that was. So um it could have been just he he was making like a foreign movie in his movie, you know. And this is like something about he's he's talking a little bit about um, you know sort of the ex, ex- the different eccentricities of of foreign movies because mm-hmm. as you'll notice um in <laughs> uh very weirdly um as you'll see uh going along there's not a lot of movement in uh in his in his movies no in fact but when there's this... the
2: camera with the kid walking to the horse i went like oh yeah. like he's moving the camera yeah, yeah. this that never happens yeah
1: um but then even in the in the sort of german scene there's this there's this very long pan shot where she's just walking through the field, mm, right. um which is kind of kind of interesting so um i don't know if he's making that if if that's like his own sort of version of a german movie um it's totally possible but um i could not find any any information about whether or not that was a real movie
2: i can't um, either and i don't see any uh, info on imdb and it, there are no um German actors listed in the credits, so it makes me assume it's a real movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I, don't I don't know. Yeah,
1: someone if um, someone knows,
2: write into the show. <laughs> let us know.
1: Um, yeah. So I guess um, where I'll leave this off because, um, partially this is this is a um, invitation for both of you. Okay, this movie is very easy. I would say in terms of, of digestibility, um, not easy in terms of it's enjoyable, but it's, it's an hour and 20 minutes. It's really not that, that big of a feat of, of sort of, um, you know, watching. And I do think the sort of simple nature of the story lends itself to, um, you know, making you lean in a bit and giving you a little bit of leeway. Um, uh, my sort of yeah, my pitch in the rest of this um rest of this month is to sort of at least meet me halfway. Okay. I know you guys have been gracious enough to uh to uh sit down you and watch through all these boring me. movies. You should be paying um, me here, right? <laughs> But um but I do, you know, I I think these movies have sort of a simple brilliance to them. Um, you know, even a movie like this, which is, um, you know, admittedly not, not really his, his finest work after all the years, though I, I will say, um, visually, I mean, I think this movie looks stunning. Like you said, jusa um, I really, I really love even, you know, the shots of them in the house when they're, when they're talking and, and all three of them are kind of, um, you know, uh, Back to back, um, mm-hmm. you know, through the walls. Like I just, I think there's su- such beauty in in the way that he he frames these these shots. Um, and as we'll see, you know, this is something that he um, becomes very very well known for. Um, is you know his his composition.
2: Can, can we talk about the, one other visual thing in the movie, which is like the pillow shots? Because that's something that yeah. I mean, I, I will circle back to this, I'm sure, because that's a sort of a hallmark of his career, but those sort of interstitial moments you see both between scenes, which is a, I mean, fairly standard thing where you show exterior shots of kind of the the setting before you cut into the location, but also like doing it in the midst of scenes, which um, also connects me back to there's a great uh, video by the nerd writer about the vase um i think it's in late spring i can't remember which ozu i think it's late spring where he cuts like he has a shot of a woman and then he cuts to a vase in the middle of that and he cuts back to her and uh he did a really nice analysis of that um but this movie had some really interesting stuff like that in the midst of the some of the more like you know what ozu's version of emotionally intense scene which is like the scene in the house after they've kind of uh, put out into the open their feelings about his situation, um, including a very, very long shot. I was curious what uh, both of you thought of this, where he just holds on this shot for, it felt like 30 seconds or something. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? It probably it was is. was like a doorway yeah, it's, or it's something? It's a shot
1: of like a, it's a shot of like a toddler's like um, seat or like a, like it's a, it's kind of an ugly shot. It's um, surprisingly, but it, 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 it almost feels like the the sort of very messy situation that they're in, hmm. um, which, which I love. Um, the one that I was going to say uh, that struck me this time, and I, I think maybe let's explain what a pillow shot actually is. Um, Isaac, are you familiar with this term or no? No, I'm not. Um, yeah, so a, a pillow shot, which I think... Is almost exclusively like an ozu thing. I think people don't really talk about them in in context. They'll maybe they'll reference it, uh, but I think ozu is very much the, um, you know, the person who people think of when when they think of pillow shots. Um, it was actually coined by the phrase was coined by a critic, um, and it's uh, in reference to I think pillow words in poetry, um, which are sort of these these words after the poetry after a line um mm. that kind of change the context of a of a of a phrase or will sort of alter the way that you think about a phrase um but don't have a structural meaning right they don't have something that's directly tied to the uh, to the line right. and so um in ozu movies you know this is very famous where he will sort of sometimes randomly, sometimes as a closing statement, sometimes as an opening statement, he'll sort of hold on some particular, you know, maybe it's a slice of life. Like there's one early on about two birds and they're kind of hopping down. Um, and there's another one, um, I think it's early, where it's it's kind of just a sign on a train track, you know. Um, and so there's, there's these, you know, and that would, I would say, be more of, the establishing type of, of Ozu pillow shot. Um, and then there's another one that I wanted to mention sort of later on, he's contemplating, um, you know, how he's going to get more money or, you know, it's, it's kind of a vague, um, what he's actually thinking about, but he's in his classroom at night school. Um, and he's looking outside, um, and there's this blinking bee. Oh yeah. Oh, that
2: was really great.
1: Yeah. um, and it's just it's those are the ones that I like. I think I think there's ones in this movie specifically that you can like sort of actually connect to the story or like thematically if you really think hard about it. Like the two birds, you know, is is something that's I would say kind of obvious, um, but something like that or something like the um, the the toddler seat, you know, after their their argument, um, it's a very stark. Uh, contrast, mm-hmm. and it really does make you think about what what the characters are thinking about, the situation that the characters are in. It, you know, for me, you know, he's looking out the window in that scene, and there's that blinking bee, and I'm thinking about, I'm I'm going through the the same thoughts that he is in his mind, mm-hmm. and so there's these very powerful moments where it takes you out of the um, the sort of very i would say the western way of doing something like that is to show something that's connected to the character mm-hmm. or to be very direct with its yeah everything um, has to have a purpose like yeah yeah but but ozu's you know uh, I, I i wouldn't even say it's like a japanese thing i think it's a very ozu specific type of filmmaking um he is much more interested in sort of the way that characters are feeling. Um, and so, if a shot represents that way, then you know it's something that he's he's interested in, even if it's for far too long and oh, that, has really nothing to that, do with uh, you know the rest of the movie. Well, that was an
2: interesting one because it also seemed like it almost felt like a time lapse because I feel like it went from kind of dark to light. That that shot um, of, the, of 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 the, you know it felt like the light was coming. Up. I don't think it was a dissolve. It didn't look like a dissolve to me. But sometimes you know you see those shots where it kind of fades. You know, it's like you a
1: yeah. match
2: dissolve. I guess you would call it. Um, I don't know. I I, I, uh, I you know I don't want to belabor it too much because it, it definitely can get into like kind of film school stuff with this sort of thing. Um, but it definitely is, is 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 the sort of thing that has uh, permeated films, especially I'd say more like art house or slow cinema that kind of movies. Um, it's kind of just like a it's a technique that's. Not even it's not even just thought of as Ozu now. It's pretty ubiquitous with a lot of filmmakers, um, and I what I what I just like about it is it serves like it can be looked at in just the literal sense of it's so it's showing you the place. It's giving you kind of just a taste of the setting. Um, it can be analyzed as something of the characters. And I think in some ways the most important purpose of them is just the sense of um, offsetting emotion and not like making things too melodic like sometimes it is good to cut away from the um center of like the emotional power of a scene just because if you sometimes doing something completely head-on you actually give less of the effect than if you kind of are doing it obliquely so if i don't know if that makes Mm. any sense i just i'm thinking of like i like i saw the bradley cooper movie maestro you know, where he's doing these, like, long close-ups of himself, like, doing so much acting. And if you do it too much, <laughs> it, like, gets embarrassing. Like, it, it it tips, and he's a great actor, but it tips from, like, wow, that's so moving to, geez, this is kind of, like, too much. This is kind of embarrassing. And Ozu, who's already, like, very, very subtle and restrained, is almost saying, like, I need to pull back even further. And, like... Offset these kind of things and kind of like step away from it a little bit, um, and you know I think in, in that way it's it's kind of interesting. It's a little bit like the um, I was thinking it's a little like in Taxi Driver where he pull, pushes the camera. That's a more like overt technique, but that's like, an obvious. He moves but yeah, the but camera away right, yeah. just in the sense of like y- y- the camera, like the director almost can't face the emotion that's within the frame and has to like move away from it. Anyway,
0: yeah, not really a good comparison, but you know what I mean. I don't know if I can join you guys on the frame by frame, you know, analysis of this. I I really let it just kind of happen, you know. I definitely, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, like this is so. This is the this is the kind of conversation where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm like tuned, out, you know? Because I, am <laughs> sorry. I honestly, <laughs> no, it's a little annoying. No, 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 no. I just, I just, um, I had a better like time watching it kind of being like less engaged which is weird even though i have to read subtitles which is what forced me to have to like kind of stick with it um so yeah i i don't like talking about the pillow shots i do remember the the shot with the b um mm-hmm. but you guys are talking about the the toddler chair i like don't remember that at all do, do you remember the you shot were
2: held a long time like on nothing though
0: no oh okay uh, well that felt like so much of the movie me, <laughs> you know so <laughs> you're like do you remember the, the shot where nothing's happening i mean like ninety percent the movie? Of yeah 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 so i mean i don't even know what i'm supposed to say to that you know i just uh yeah there, there's there's but but like at the end of the day like thematically is wh- where it kind of won me back um so I yeah, I as far as like the f- the film analysis side, um you guys are talking about how it's pretty or it's doing these different techniques. Like that that's pretty meta to me. I can't get behind saying this movie looks good. I can't get behind this <laughs> saying this movie sounds good either. You know, oh, I oh, just I, no, sound I, sound <laughs> I do I do feel like it's a very difficult film to approach. I really don't think most people should watch it.
2: Um Well
0: I I think it's I, worth try.
2: It it's just like you it's not it's not worth seeing just as like if you're recommending entertainment, I wouldn't recommend it, but it's not uh in a way it's actually not it's probably one of the least like offensive movies. Like actually is this one of the rare movies that like your mom would watch, Cameron? Because I feel like what could you be offended She'd by? She'd probably is, find it boring. I should find it boring, <laughs> but like there's nothing you could be actually, offended by or off put by in the movie. Like it's very Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Nice. I would say actually all of Oz's movies, with the exception of two, probably, um, are very thematically. I mean, they're they're very tame. Um, are the other
2: two have big nude scenes? What's the other?
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> just I just mean like thematically, they have um, m- more mature elements okay. too. Is them. that the one where everyone's farting? I, I, Which is the one where everyone's <laughs> farting? <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> good morning, right? I don't. Know um <laughs> not the children one <laughs> i don't know there's uh, you know what i think there is a sequence where they
2: is that that you know what i've always heard about like there's an ozu movie where like there's a bunch of fart jokes that's all i've heard i don't know anyway. um
0: it's not important i that would be a very surprising twist i, I think we should watch that one <laughs>
1: That's well he does moment. have comedy i mean he does technically have comedies um i don't remember if there is far it's been a long time since i've when,
0: seen when you when you said out loud in this review that you know yep that was like a, a comedy scene i was like <laughs> yeah that was a joke it was a joke this guy needs to get off stage because <laughs> that was not really funny you know it's a
1: joke he comes the kid comes up he fake cries and the dad gives him money that's that's kind of funny come on that's the thing
2: about it It, it, i think it's just about like it's more was like child acting in movies especially old movies old movies have sometimes terrible child acting so i I think i actually if it had been a current movie i would have understood that to be funny but that was just where i was like is this actually just really bad acting but i think no he's fake crying he's
1: yeah (laughs) well anyways uh and
0: it is good morning the fart one but anyways not the
1: fart one (laughs) yeah
0: Man, that, sounds, that, that I feel like now we have to watch it. I'm making all these jokes about
1: it. Might have it, w- it was it was <laughs> it was sort of on the list. I was I was con- contemplating putting Good Morning up there, but um, alas, I, there's more important movies. Good Morning, go <laughs> 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 the Kanye. Um, That's a great song, yeah. man. Yeah, R.I.P. Kanye. Anyway, that should be the new oh, way <laughs> of that movie. <laughs> All right, that should be the new edit of Good Morning. It's just to that to that <laughs> to the that kids song. farting. They, they farting. lay the Kanye song over Ozu. <laughs> 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 this is the type of TikTok content I can give. Oh my okay? god,
0: that's right. I saw. What did Tim send in the group chat today? They're putting twenty three second yeah. clips of the Sopranos on Grasg YouTube uh, TikTok. Oh my goodness! Oh um, my. Well, monetization, yeah, must alright Well,
1: I'm, I'm glad that you're um, at least leaning into uh, to to the rest of these movies and and excited to see where it goes. Next week we are going to be watching. That's late some strong language.
0: I wouldn't say excited. That's strong <laughs> language. I would say I'm in. i like curious. Oh, okay. curious. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. I could s- like a more complex version of this movie that was easier to look at you know sounded a little better that that would help you know sure it's gonna be like when my kids watch toy story they're gonna be like this looks ugly but it sounds great and it you know thematically it's great
2: that makes me sad if anyone has ever watched this toy story and and has a problem with the visuals because man i don't know oh oh it's gonna happen juzo i don't know (laughs) I think they did hurt it by making the fourth one like look so amazing. And it's just like, now it's you true. look back at the first one, but I don't
1: know. That's like a perfect movie. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, like I said, next week is late spring. So oh. that's what we're going to be watching. Um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about... About the only son. I mean, I think we've, I think we've. My answer
0: is enough. no, and I haven't <laughs> thought about Toy Story four in forever. I actually <laughs> don't. I think I will think about the only son and Toy Story four the same amount. <laughs> uh,
1: you so. know, I like Toy Story four. I thought it was good. I was it's like not so. A, moved. It's not a perfect movie.
2: I was so moved by that movie the first time I saw it, and then the second time I saw it, I was like, I felt like I had been hoodwinked. I had been (laughs) bamboozled like I to me it was like the greatest con uh, the devil ever pulled because I just was like nah this is not this is not okay even though it's very good like it's a very good movie but I think they should have closed the book with the third one for sure even having said it was good.
0: All right. Well, I just need—I needed to hear Jesus' thoughts on Toy no Story Four before, before we ended <laughs> oh, the yeah. episode. Thanks, everyone.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you're welcome, audience. We post every Tuesday. I'm sorry for using we're a watching- racial slur.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I don't. I
0: don't. I thought you were talking this. about snacks. <laughs> <What>? So. <laughs> All right. It's late. Uh, we post every Tuesday. We'll catch you next week.
1: Good morning. <laughs> <What the laughs>